you're listening to Podiatry Marketing, conversations on building a successful podiatry practice with Tyson Franklin and Jim McDonald. Hi, I'm Tyson Franklin, and welcome back to this week's episode of Podiatry Marketing. With me is my co-host, Big Jim McDonald. So, Jim, how are you doing today? Uh, feeling bigger than ever. I've been working out, getting huge. Uh, now things are good here. In, Have in you been working out? Do you do weights? I do three times a week now. Uh, hit hit the gym and uh, trying to you know get into those middle forties. You got to uh, realize that the muscle mass is going to get less and less over time. So you got to be proactive. I got two small kids. I got to try to keep up with. So yeah, I'm hit. I'm hitting the weights. That's a good idea. I got a friend who oh, I don't know how old he is. Probably late forties. I'd say it might be fifty. I don't think he is. I've insulted him if I said he is. <laughs> and <laughs> he just told me recently that. The last six months of last year, he hit the weights and he's put on six kilos extra of of muscle nice. just by hitting the gym three or four times a week. Yeah, I think the running the running that I do kind of keeps it off. I'm not a I'm not a bulky guy, but uh, definitely definitely feel a little stronger than I did before I started. So mm. I went for a run yesterday. It reminded me why I don't run. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'll just stick to I'll stick to kickboxing. So much easier. Oh, so what are we talking about today? Yeah, so today we're going to jump in a little bit about uh, direct uh, direct care and, and ways to market a direct care practice. I think that's uh, I've been spending more time on LinkedIn uh, this year and met some great folks there, and a lot of them are kind of uh, chatting a bit about direct direct care or kind of fee for service practices. Yeah, I think that there's definitely a lot of people out there that whether they're totally committed in the U.S. to just fee for service versus um, there's kind of a hybrid of some practices that have these kind of fee-for-service um, uh, you know, modalities or treatments and, you know, how do you work that into your marketing or, you know, how to get started in, you know, highlighting or kind of showcasing some of those uh, those treatments, um, but just, you know, feeling comfortable with that and in ways to communicate that to prospective patients and also patients that are in the, in the clinic. So to explain this to people, say, who are probably in the UK and Australia listening to this, the North American system is a little bit different. And, that, and that's sort of what you're talking about, isn't it? Because a lot of podiatrists in America will, they have to deal with insurance companies. Everything is really revolved around insurance companies. So they're now looking for services and products and things that they can do where it's just a cash payment directly from the patient instead of having to go through insurance companies. I don't mean cash under the table, like illegal stuff. Yeah, you're going to hear a lot of different names for it, like concierge podiatry or oh, okay. pay or fee-for-service. And like, like you're talking about, there's, you know, if you're opted in to a certain insurance plans or you take Medicare in the United States, kind of the government payer, yeah. you're kind of uh, limited to as far as the amount of uh, the, the kind of fees you can charge for certain types of procedures. But there are procedures that aren't not necessarily coded or if you're if you're opted out of Medicare, which is a whole process, which I don't I don't know personally a lot about, but there's some folks I could probably recommend people chat with about that. But if you're opted out of the Medicare or Medicaid system in the U.S., there's you know you're able to basically kind of you know provide kind of transparency uh, as far as cost transparency. Obviously, the having insurances in the U.S., these kind of HMO, these health management organizations, or these PPOs in the U.S. kind of cause a lot of paperwork or additional. Um, bureaucratic uh you know work for practices yeah. so there's some people that these days have you know whether it's fully uh direct pay or concierge podiatry or you know some are you know if there's not certain services like you know someone that is in uh, practice taking some insurances can do some of these cash pay procedures. i think you know, common ones would be in the us like these the swift warts uh removal 
uh, sometimes like different types of laser or uh, other types of uh, treatment uh, as far as the kind of hybrid, but then you have these people that are completely cash pay practices, which is uh, kind of, I don't know how common it is if that even even happens in Australia or the UK. So, Yeah, but you said that you're, you're chatting with people on LinkedIn. Are you chatting with them about how they're using the service or... Or is it a bit, have you thought about using this as what sort of conversations are you having with people? Yeah, I would say like, you know, there's kind of a, like I talked about the, the amount of kind of bureaucracy and paperwork that is required to do uh, you know, certain either in surgeries or certain procedures in the U.S., you know, makes it very onerous uh, from a time perspective for not only the doctor, but for their staff. So, you know, there's there's kind of a it feels like there's kind of some momentum in the United States of people kind of banding together to. Uh, you know, like I said, have price transparency, right? Just because someone has insurance doesn't necessarily mean that, uh, you know, it's nice to have that kind of, I would say, like safety net. And, yeah. and, and me living in Canada, like I'm very aware that, you know, they don't pay for a lot of elective uh, procedures to be done here. But you know, if I were to get hit by a bus or, you know, fall out a window or something, I'll be taken care of. You, uh, live, so a, you live a wild life, Jim. You, <laughs> you get hit me. by a you bus or fall, or fall out a window. I'm thinking, my or God. you break your leg on the ice when you're, you're skiing or skating or something. You know, some good Canadian stuff. Uh, I'm but, just um, pitching you falling out of a window on a bus. <laughs> there you go. But it is one of those things, right? If uh, if it is something where you know an ingrown toenail or you know like there's there's certain uh, you know helpful treatments that are not covered by insurances. You know, sometimes a fee for service model can be a benefit to the patient. And knowing that that's available, so when I you know talking with folks on LinkedIn, they're kind of talking about how they did it. You know, they're they're kind of a, a group of people that I would say that are really open to sharing information about you know how they've done that. But it's also you know it can be an adjunct to you know to insurance uh, you know procedures or providers that you know haven't opted out of insurances or Medicare necessarily. But there's certain procedures like I said, Zwift or other or Swift or other things that. Uh, sometimes people would incorporate into the practice for um, to kind of boost the uh, bottom line of the practice. So can it actually work out cheaper for patients to not go through their insurance company? Well, I mean, I think th in some cases, right? I think, you know, when we're bulletproof, maybe from the ages of, you know, 22 to 35 before we start falling apart, um, <laughs> yeah. maybe there are some benefits of having that or even getting a plan that has a relatively um, high deductible and just paying cash pay uh, for a period of time for more smaller elective things. They don't have to, um, you know, the, the coverage doesn't get bumped up in the U.S. You know, sometimes if you, you know, your, your, your coverage can get more expensive and more expensive over time. So, so you're saying if somebody had, somebody is in, with an insurance company and they have an ingrown toenail, if they go and see the podiatrist and the insurance company pays for it, but their premiums could go up the next year because they actually made a claim. Well, I mean, just they could just go up in general, right? But yeah. if you're, you know, getting a higher deductible, pre, you know, a premium or a higher deductible plan with a, a certain provider, you know, maybe it's you have, you know, the first thousand dollars is on you, or the first two thousand dollars is going to be much cheaper to pay for that plan as opposed uh, okay. to someone that's trying to have everything covered, right? So, you know, if it's if your deductible is only fifty bucks, you know, you for sure per month or you know every quarter, that's going to be a much more expensive plan for somebody. But if you're relatively young, healthy, maybe in, in your younger days. Uh, you can get away with a higher deductible, you know, have that kind of safety net um, of, you know, because it's private insurance primarily, uh, but you're not going to the well or, you know, doing that every single time. So there's definitely ways, you know, this is not really about the insurance, the reimbursement, but there's definitely reasons why people will consider, um, you know, cash pay versus, um, you know, more insurance covered providers. Okay. And I want to point out to anyone who is not in North America, who <laughs> doesn't have to go, isn't faced with this sort of problem as much, still take on board some of the advice that Jim shares because 
you might think instead of saying, oh, no, that doesn't, that doesn't apply to me, just think about how can I make that apply to me? Because they're, they're sure to give me ideas. Because how, how does someone get started changing their business or moving in that direction? Yeah, so I think the first really kind of step people should make is to number one, you know, talk to somebody that's kind of done that before. You know, you don't you don't have to kind of reinvent the wheel. I think sometimes, you know, me personally, not that I've ever done it before, but you know, sometimes you just think, oh, I'll just kind of do that. But it, I think there can be real benefit to understand uh, that you know, if you're going to kind of walk down that road, you know, talk with someone that's kind of been down there before to see kind of what the the trials and tribulations were. If you're considering either, you know, you know bringing something like a, a certain modality into your practice what were the you know have you done that before have you brought in a laser and never used it yeah. you know do you have kind of systems in place that if you do something that's more cash pay whether it's just a modality before you just you know dive dive off the deep end into more of a direct pay practice i think it can be right for the right person in the right location but it's probably not something that's going to work for every personality or for every uh, you know you have to kind of be relatively as a business savvy and wanting to really um, explore it. So, you know, if you're in a small little rural area that's not very, um, you know, wealthy or doesn't have that type of patient in your in the local area, maybe not a good fit. So, by talking to somebody, I think is, is step number one. I think also you have to learn how to kind of communicate the differences between, you know, you know, what is someone getting by going to a cash pay uh, doctor or a direct pay versus you know going to an insurance provider. Maybe it's, you know, they're they're able to see you that day. Um, there can be definitely some different benefits, but you know, how are you going to highlight and differentiate yourself from other competitors? Because now you're not accepting a lot of payers that other people are, and it may be a little bit of a change for some people to understand. You know, why don't you accept my insurance? So you have to kind of communicate uh, on your marketing material, on your website, probably on the you know when they call your clinic to make sure that they don't feel duped. If you know if you know if they come into your practice like, hey, you don't accept that insurance everybody does you don't want to set up those situations so it's, it's a lot of communication i talked about as well price transparency can be also a, a huge marketing factor as well by just saying this is what we charge i've seen uh the different uh you know i'd say like surgery centers in the us that are only cash pay um have that price transparency which can be beneficial but it is one of those things where you know whether it's you know getting into direct care if we're if we're going to tend to practice in a different way I think there are beneficial, uh, it's very beneficial to talk to people that have been down a similar road. I'd say, especially in the direct pay concierge podiatry area, people are very open yeah. uh, to discussing what these things are. And there's no like, you know, special secrets or, you know, I'm not going to tell you, you know, I mean, someone's practicing in Maine and someone else is in California, somebody's in Florida. It's, there's not like a concierge practice on in every locality. So you're going to find a lot of camaraderie. Uh, amongst people that practice in this manner. So when you say when you say no to a particular insurance company, does that mean you're saying no to that insurance company across the board on all services, or is it just oh, I'm uh, not going to take that insurance company for nail surgery? Or I won't take it for doing routine foot care. So it really, I think it really depends, but I think for the most part, once you kind of opt out of an insurance provider, like you're opting out of like all of those things they would cover for patients. Ooh, do they so get the shit with it? Is... Does the insurance company <laughs> go, what are you doing? Why won't you accept these patients? Do they contact you and say, hey, I mean, what what are you doing, Jim? You're killing us. <laughs> uh, I've not done that personally. So like I said, I'm kind of speaking from, uh, you know, some of the conversations I've had with folks on yeah. LinkedIn. Um, you know, definitely if people are curious about this way, they can, they can send me a DM, you know, send an email to the, uh, 
to our podcast here and we can kind of get uh, you set up with some folks that have kind of gone through it but i i've not experienced that so i really i i don't know what those conversations are like all oh, right okay yeah i wasn't sure because i'm thinking i could just because our insurance companies over here work completely different it's it's mind-boggling what, what happens in north america in comparison so if somebody say so somebody wants to head down this path okay the first thing is they start talking to other people that have done it try and learn from them is there a way that you start small like you only pick one insurance company first just to see how that feels and then you you slowly expand from there or is it always it's always going to be a hybrid there's always going to be some insurance companies you will work with because they're great and there's other ones that you're just going to can pretty quickly because they're not from, from my understanding, it's a real spectrum, to be honest. You know, like uh, from from region to region in the U.S., there's yeah. going to be different insurance providers. And, you know, some maybe pay okay and others pay horribly. So you can, from my understanding, you can kind of pick and choose which ones you want to. You know, I'd say my real focus here today is to kind of like uh, probably work more on the marketing of how you're going to communicate those different things as opposed to really the, the dirty details, the nitty gritty as far as, you know, which are those insurances to drop and how did yeah. it happen. But I think it's... It is one of those things where it's probably, I, I mean, like I talked about, there's a few folks that um, that, I, that I'm aware of that could probably talk about their path about when they dropped what insurance plan and you know how they kind of either gradually transition from accepting everything to like to nothing and opting out completely. Um, I know that there's you know like I said there's some of these uh, procedures or modalities that are not kind of covered by insurance, so they are up to kind of have that conversation with the patient about, you know, we do have this other form of treatment that's highly effective that insurance doesn't cover yet. So yeah. that's a skill set and something people have to work on. So And that becomes part of your marketing. That's like you said, so you you have a service. So it's like when Shockwave first came out or laser right. or fungal nails. It would have taken a period of time for the insurance companies to catch up to that. And sometimes they haven't. Like sometimes it's, you know, there's off there's off uses for some modalities, right? It's not just the modality itself. Maybe it's like um, you can't use uh, this laser for a wart, but you can use it for um, some type of the other ablation or something like that, right? And it's not the code isn't there, so it's kind of an off use that they're not going to cover. Yeah. Um, but it's it's how do you communicate that? Like I said, not only through you talking directly to the patient, but what are the ways that you when when they come onto your website, you know, utilizing your digital marketing channels to make sure they feel informed and it's very upfront to them about that you are providing this type of service because you don't want that surprise coming to, to your practice so that includes you know the way the copy on your website it's how you're highlighting the different you know making different pages on your website whether it's transparent pricing i've seen some real there's you know some really good websites out there that uh, some of the concierge podiatrists uh, and the direct pay podiatrists are utilizing that you know you don't have to copy paste what they do but you get a general sense of how they're educating mm. uh, the patient before they come into the practice to make sure they have um they understand what the the pros and you know the pros and cons or what the benefits um, versus the differences that they may experience kind of in a you know normal uh, patient encounter that if someone's used to like going through that kind of insurance dance that they're used to um, you know when seeing a podiatrist. But I think, like I said, utilizing those digital marketing channels, whether that's through SEO, your website, you know, kind of improving the kind of overall visibility to make sure that um, it's when they land on your website that they're aware that either nothing is covered or there might be certain procedures that um, require uh, cash pay. So when people are first starting this, normally they will, if they're setting up their own business or they're, when somebody's setting up their business for the first time, normally they will just take all the insurance companies on board. And then it's not until they've done that, that, that they then start making the changes. It's rare for someone to try doing this right from the start. Or do you think it's a good idea 
for people that the sooner you can do this, the better. I think that's going to really, uh, you know, vary between individual, right? I think that, like you said, the kind of most common places that you just kind of like, you put up your shingle and you're you're wanting to get revenue in the door. Yeah. So you're kind of willing to kind of bring on every pair. And <laughs> I, I think it would, you know, unless someone maybe has a parent who has a direct pay practice or, you know, a direct care practice, they, they may not have, uh, you know, we were busy in school, you're busy in residency. Even me, like I didn't really think that this was something that was a possibility when I was going through residency or school. I don't know how other people, how their listeners, if this is something that's more prevalent uh, nowadays. I mean, I, I graduated, I guess, uh, I hate to age myself, but I think it was. Yeah, yeah. How, I, long, I graduated ago, how long ago did you graduate? <laughs> 20, 20, 20 years ago from school. Yeah. And, you know, uh, 17 years ago from residency. So maybe things have changed and it's more of an option. But um, I think it is one of those things where, like, you know, it's not, it's, it's communicating it um, once you kind of figure out what that path is for you to go towards that direct care uh, path. Um, but I think there, there are ways, you know, besides just kind of digital marketing stuff, right? I think there are, you know, it's, it's pretty common. You're not, depending on what province you're in or what state you're in, you know, some people are used to paying more for healthcare or allied healthcare services, like getting, you know, you know, networking with some of these other providers, like massage therapists, maybe there's some physios, maybe there's other people um, that are kind of in a similar, um, you know, kind of referral network. Like we talked about these kind of both medical or non-medical referral networks yeah. that are kind of used to, you know, the shoe store is not used to like, you know, having to reimburse an insurance plan for someone's orthopedic shoes or something. I mean, sometimes you'll get custom shoes for diabetics, but I think it is important to kind of like solidify these, uh, this network of local businesses so that they understand the benefits. Like I talked about communicating these benefits of your direct care um, practice versus, you know, oh, this person is, you know, they have a three month wait. Um, they only accept these insurances. There, there are definitely ways to differentiate yourself from some of the other uh, clinics in town that can be uh, beneficial for these other local businesses to know about. Yeah, because like you said, there's the whole online world that you can actually market and tell people what you're doing. But uh, offline, like you said, communicating this to other businesses, but I assume going to health fairs, expos, anything where you can actually connect with the community would probably be a good idea as well. No, I think that's a perfect example, right? The, the more chance you have to kind of communicate, because it's sometimes it can be hard enough to write, communicate like all the all the foot and ankle care we provide or what yeah. our air, area of expertise is. But this is like kind of one more layer of explanation uh, to people. And like I said, you don't have to necessarily reinvent the wheel, but if you're, maybe you're, you're, you're putting on, you know, biannually like open houses at your practice to help kind of educate your community about why you're, you know, a direct care practice, you know, what are the benefits kind of in person so they can, you know, it's not just something they land on a website or have to read, but they've actually been inside of your practice. I, I've seen some different podiatrists kind of utilize an open house model in a way that uh, can be very beneficial. So that that's one thing that I think uh, people can utilize. But like you said, community events, uh, community speaking opportunities are a real way to kind of uh, communicate your message about, you know, how you're trying to practice medicine in a different way that is more, you know, patient focused. I think one of the kind of the big selling points as well is that, mm. you know, you know, if you're taking insurances and they're you know, not paying at a reasonable rate, either you can, you know, see more patients and spend less time with patients to try to generate the same amount of revenue or, you know, some of these alternative ways of practicing, you know, would allow you to say, if, if you want to spend 30 minutes or 45 minutes with a new patient, 
have conversations, really get to know them and really try to like, you know, treat their problems uh, in a way that you feel comfortable with. It, it provides a different way of practicing that maybe the current model with insurance plans and HMOs and PPOs, it's, it's not impossible, but um, maybe it's, uh, it's, a, it's an, a different way to practice that maybe some people will find attractive. But wouldn't there be, what percentage of patients wouldn't have insurance? Is there, a, like over here, for example, for podiatry cover, it'd be yeah, at least 50% don't have podiatry cover at all with, uh, with insurers. And we have like insurance for like hospitals and, and surgery and all that. But then allied health is a separate thing that you pay for. And probably 50% of our patients didn't have any coverage for podiatry. So would that be the same case in the States? Yeah, like like, like in the US, the US is so big, it's going to really vary. I think there are some uh, kind of some different ways in the United States that people try to save up money for healthcare expenses. So sometimes people will utilize, like you have a, a health savings account called an HSA in the US where you can uh, put away money, I think, either tax deductible or tax free into yeah. this account. So it's one way that sometimes you can pay for some of these uh, services that either your insurance does pay or doesn't pay. Uh, there's definitely certain criteria you have to match in order to get, uh, like if you're being treated through Medicare, you know, Medicare is kind of the plan in the United States for people that are more of retire, you know, in retirement age. So you're not going to be, uh, you know, and then the other, if you're younger than retirement age, you're kind of on these Medicaid plans. Um, and they're kind of usually bare bones, kind of very emergent safety net uh, type type of care plan. So, but it is one of those things where, you know, if you are like for me, for example, I am a business owner in Canada, I come from the US. Um, if I were to be in the US and try to have to pay for my own health insurance, um, it would be prohibitively expensive, yeah. I mean, very expensive to buy your own plan, depending on what state you're in and, and what's available. And that's kind of um, that's a, that's a whole nother discussion, but you know, when I'm here in Canada, I have, you know, this kind of baseline of safety net and there, there are some safety nets in the U S but it's not quite as comprehensive, comprehensive as it is here. But I think to me, the, the direct care or the concierge medicine is it's going to be right in the right location, right? Someone that wants a high level, you know, it usually happens in affluent areas, yeah. um, or people that are willing to, they want to be seen today or tomorrow. They want to have, you know, a high level of care, but you know, are, are willing to pay out of pocket for it because, um, they just, they just don't want to wait, um, for that patient at their, you know, maybe they're on a, maybe their husband has a plan or they have a plan from work, but the, the three providers that, that are allowed, that are allowed to see are booked out for three months or, or, or four months. And it's not emergency room worthy. So what are you going to do in the meantime? If you have the means instead of like limping around on that, that heel is mm, bothersome, yeah, it makes sense. you know, maybe. And maybe it makes sense to go see the podiatrist in the meantime. And that's all part of the marketing, though. That's all the part of getting that message out to the patients that, hey, you don't have to wait three or four months to see this person. I could do this for you now or a lot quicker and get you out of pain. Yeah, exactly. And I think there's also been kind of a proliferation in the United States where, like, everything used to be pretty much you know, hospital-based. Oh, you're hurt, go to the ER. Oh, you're sick, go to the ER. Yeah. But in the U.S., they've kind of transitioned now into – and there's been, you know, mixed reports whether this has been working well or not. These kind of urgent care centers, you know, in the local strip mall, go to the urgent care, you know, urgent care center, um, and have this taken care of. And sometimes those are, um, you know, paid by, you know, insurances will reimburse those. But, you know, more and more it makes sense to have some availability. And I think some podiatrists maybe even do this in their own practice, whether they're accepting insurance or not accepting insurance, is having um, some add-on room where that person with an ingrown toenail, that person that might have a fracture or something like that can be worked into the schedule 
and having that availability to kind of offload some of the ERs, especially, you know, during times of COVID when no one wants to go to the ER for any reason, yeah. um, you know, promoting that you are available and have add-ons or day of, or, you know, within 24 hours receive care, uh, whether you're a, a direct care practice or, you know, someone who does uh, accept, you know, Medicare or insurances. Uh, like I said, it's a real spectrum of what's available out there, but I think there are ways to make that more visible and communicate that to patients in your local area. Okay. Well, like I said, this is probably one of those areas that being in Australia, we, <laughs> I, I can get my head around it because I've been over the state so many times and spoken to so many podiatrists. So I understand what they've gone through and why they're trying to make the change. But I'm so glad our health system is different. Because <laughs> you always hear, you just hear, you watch TV shows and everyone, when they get a job, they, they want to know, oh, does this come with uh, full, you know, uh, full medical and dental? Seems to be uh, like that's the job that people want. Whereas over here, no one thinks about it. Well, even in Canada, right? Like, like I talked about, we do have a great safety net. But if you have something that's you know not an emergent uh, procedure, you're going to be waiting a while. And uh, I think part of this this kind of change too is that uh, I don't know if it's Amazon or Uber Eats or Uber. We just expect to like you know push an app or do something yeah. to be seen within. 24 hours we want immediate uh, care immediate results and at least up here that that's not really possible so i've i've actually gone to some a uh, fee-for-service providers in canada because i didn't want to wait uh you know six to eight months for a health checkup right i i wanted to i want to be proactive about my health and the system wasn't actually giving you know they would give it to me eventually but you know if you do have questions that need to be answered uh just for that peace of mind you know, you kind of balance it out. You know, I do have that safety net, but if I want to be seen within a year for something, uh, you know, maybe Australia could uh, teach the Canadian system here a little something. Maybe, you know, it's, yeah, it's no system is perfect, but uh, it, it is interesting these kind of different ways of practicing and these different ways that patients can receive care kind of uh, pop up uh, as good alternatives. Yeah, and like I said earlier on, Someone from a, a different country may be listening and say, well, we don't have that problem. We're not faced with that problem. But you can still take on board everything about how you actually market your services to the general community. Is You need to do it anyway, regardless of whether it's cash through insurance company or whatever. You should be out there letting everybody know what you do. And I think it's important just to have some general awareness that this is a thing, right? Yeah. Even if you're in the UK or in Australia, because like, like I said, when I was in It could be headed school, your way. <laughs> well, when I was 20, yeah. 20 years ago, 20 years ago, right, this is not something I even no. had a passing thought about. So, yeah, like it definitely is probably more of a North American, US based episode today. But I, hopefully that uh, the UK and Australian listeners can uh, maybe they, they're more thankful to be where they are today as opposed to uh, in North America. So. Yeah, and things are always changing. So I think it's always fine. It's always good to be aware of what's happening in other countries because every now and then your government or organizations and insurers We'll see what other people are doing. And go, hmm, maybe that would work here. So they just start doing it. So, so Jim, I think that you've covered that pretty well. Yeah, thanks, Tyson. Uh, it was a good chat, and uh, look forward to the next one. Yes, I'll talk to you next week. See you later. Okay, bye. Thanks for listening to Podiatry Marketing with Tyson Franklin and Jim McDonald. Subscribe and learn more at Podiatry Marketing. That's the website address, podiatry.marketing.